Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Cannabis Karaoke, where we ask you to grab the mic and tell your story. Get inside info from today's most interesting cannabis pioneers, and from the first note to the end of the song, listen up as you get to hear the stories of success on Cannabis Karaoke. All right, here we are again, Cannabis Karaoke. And, um, you know, I'm super excited to talk to our next guest, uh, we like to refer to her, I think we just came up with the term, it was pioneer, advocate, guru, and casualty of the cannabis space, Jennifer Murray. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm very grateful to be here. Well, I, you know, I did a little research on you, um, and I'm excited to talk to you. You have been in and around the cannabis scene for better part of a decade, I think over a decade at this point, and probably longer as a user, but... The premise of the show, like we talked a little bit before we got on, is, you know, what drives you in cannabis? Why cannabis? And then how does that plan play into your life? And at any point, just go in whatever direction you want. It's kind of a ad lib show. Great. So would you like me to just give a little bit of background? Why don't you do start with some background? But then, you know, really what I want to understand is, like, what, how does cannabis intertwine itself in your life and why? Yeah, Yeah. So God, the first time I smoked cannabis, I remember it. Uh, I was 14 and I was at Parker days in Parker, Colorado and a gentleman, I should say a kid, (laughs) had a, uh, bubble, you know, you blow the bubbles. Oh yeah. He made, he made a little bong out of that thing. Probably had, you know, soap in it too. Oh, neat. Anyway, um, yeah, so I remember that. I remember giggling. Um, and, uh, you know, after that, I smoked off and on, um, you know, for most of my life uh, until the cannabis industry. And um, since, I uh, quit drinking alcohol and um, I smoke at night, sometimes during the day on the weekend. But um, it is uh, far better for me than alcohol because I am a type A. Um, I'm already aggressive and cannabis, you know, just kind of chills me out and um, helps me uh, take a step back instead of being reactive um, versus alcohol. So um, it's been it's been an amazing plant, although I didn't really understand all of what it's about and its benefits, of course, until I got into this industry in 2010. So, um, so yeah, I am definitely a big fan. Um, in 2010, I was visiting in Arizona, a friend of a friend's restaurant, and I ran into my, into a gentleman who, uh, started asking me questions, found out I had a science degree and asked me what I thought about testing marijuana. And I put my fingers up to my lips, like I'm holding the joint. And I said, testing marijuana. And he said, no, silly. Like they test for active ingredients in pharmaceuticals. So light bulb went on and that was it. We partnered. He happened to live in Colorado Springs um, and we partnered. He had a completely different skill set than I did. And it was agreed that I would be the face um, because I, you know, had, I guess less of a risk, even though it still was a heavy risk back then. Um, You know, he had kids and he had a wife and so um, that was fine. So I bought him out in 2011, uh, brought on another partner 
and uh, yeah, started, you know, we started one of the first cannabis testing labs in the country. Um, first woman owned testing lab, which I'm very uh, proud of, um, if you will. Uh, but no one, no one really knew what it was and there were no regulations. So myself and my entire staff had to get red cards or medical cards to make sure we weren't breaking the law. Um, but I called Dora, the Department of Regulatory Agencies. Oh my God, I'll never forget. She scared me to death. She said it's absolutely illegal. I wouldn't advise it. Um, so, you know, it was scary. And you had to be a, you had to take risks, big risks back then, um, as all of the pioneers who started around regulation understand um, that, yeah, that it was risky. What now, if, I didn't have, go ahead. No, mm-hmm. I was just going to ask. You, so people know you're you had your lab in Colorado, which was the first state to recognize recreational cannabis and probably one of the first places. I mean, I think, you know, look, California's had testing for some time now, but there was no forced testing. There was no like we had kind no. of made up our own ISO standards, I guess. And <laughs> and so Colorado was like the real first like, hey, this is happening. Tell us a little bit about. Because you talked about risk, which is funny because everybody shares risk. But talk to us a little bit about how you mitigated that risk and like the first woman founded and ran Cannabis Lab. What other challenges did you face? Not just regulatory, because those are expected, like people that were bringing product to test with you. Mm hmm. Well, um, it was very interesting. And, you know, yes, we Colorado, then Washington, but actually Colorado was very slow to test. Um, it has been uh, medical since 2000. And of course, everything didn't start popping up until uh, 2009 when Obama sent out the Ogden memo. And then all of a sudden it was like they were dispensaries were everywhere. Um, but uh, they didn't implement mandatory testing forever. And in fact, when it went wreck in 2012, I mean, we were ready to close. Um, the end of summer 2012, we just weren't making it and people weren't interested. You know, um, the typical uh, comeback, if I said, you know, about testing, they, they would say, my shit's the fire. Why would I need to test? <laughs> so or how I don't do you need not to test, test though in a, in, a, in a regulated environment? So Colorado wasn't enforcing? They were slow. They were slow to go. No, mm. they, well, first they said, oh, there's not enough testing labs, which, you know, my lab was, was large. It was over 4,000 square feet. And I had over uh, at least a million dollars in equipment and I could test everything, not at first, but by the end I could test everything, um, including heavy metals. But, you know, they, they messed around and said, oh, there's not enough testing labs. And then, of course, you had the industry lobbying against it. Now, I know a lot of people in Colorado are going to say, no, we weren't. And yes, they were. Um, And I get it. Some of them were worried that the labs weren't, you know, um, being audited. And calibrated. I mean, there's always, you know, California has gone through its multiple phases and it's new for the labs. (laughs) They, they're not, well, you know, they're calibrating, you know, their devices and just getting used to it's like they've been using them for a decade already. So there's all kinds of, you know, crazy but the worries. Difference now, the difference now and then is you had nobody to call. I mean, I remember calling Shimadzu, who's a really big manufacturer of um, instrumentation now. 
Um, I called them and the guy didn't even know what to do with me. So there was nobody to call. Now, Steep Hill was there when I started. Um, and, you know, my chemist tried to call them and basically they said pound sand, which I would have too, right? Sure. But now you have no excuse. You have no excuse. You have brilliant minds in this industry. This is not reinventing the wheel. This is a, a plant like any other. It is just about, you know, creating a method, you know, validating the method and making sure that you have, sorry, there's so much going on here. No you worries. Have to make sure. Because you you're on fire sure. right now. <laughs> fire, I know. My shit's the fire. Oh my God, if I have to hear that one more time. And then, you know what I would tell people? I would say, hey, you know, before you get rid of a strain, test it. Because guess what? You probably have some minor cannabinoids, including CBD. Uh, so my, my, one of my favorite stories is, you know, um, one of the first CBD strains I tested was a guy in Colorado Springs. I had been at him for a month and he didn't see value in it. Well, then he finally gave me some tests and sure enough, I found a one-to-one and this was wow. t- this 2010. And I was like, Oh my God, we tested it several times. I called him back and I said, Jeff, this is why you test. And he's like, what? And I go, you have a one-to-one with CBD. He goes, what's CBD? So I explained to him what CBD was. He goes, oh my God, what strain? And I told him and he goes, oh, we got rid of it. Well, why? Low yield, uh, doesn't get you high and an ugly plant. You know, it looks- Sure, no nose. Yeah, of course, back then. Yeah, back then. Now you can't really tell the difference, but I was like, see, Jeff, that's why I told you to test before you threw it out, You, you know? And so- so many people have lost great genetics, including CBC, CBG. Um, well, that you know, was because you were so early on that. I mean, there's it's just starting to hit market now. I mean, do you think that might be part of the issue with being a visionary sometimes? Oh, of course, way too early to market. And I, but you know what though, I would have been on on the top no doubt if i wouldn't have hooked my wagon to a bad investor there's no doubt i mean we were we had over 50 percent of the market we had you know all of the science companies now wanting to put in instrumentation into our lab so they could do um, white papers and they could understand the industry Um, so i have no doubt we would be one if not the top lab currently um especially since my my partner my second partner oh my god he was a technology genius and you know we were on the top on the first page of google um he knew how to do all that stuff and he created a limb system for us early on um which you know is all about uh it's like seed to sale but for a lab so so anyway, um, yeah. So if I wouldn't have hooked, so anyway, long story short, yes. Yeah, so so you got it. What you're trying to give advice around is like, what is a good pivot? You were early. You you got you had a business. Yes. You had the vision. You saw not just people think of testing and it's just impurity testing. They don't realize that there's other sets of testing oh, that yeah. can take place. Terps. I mean, that's how we're finding out so much about the plant. Yep. investment. So whenever you tell people you're an entrepreneur, they automatically think, you know, you've just made it. And I always tell people the Printing true, money. The true, <laughs> the true badge <laughs> of an entrepreneur is how many times have you failed? Uh, yep. and, and, and why? And so I always tell people it's 99% luck and 1% hard work. It really is 99% hard work 
and 1% luck because you're either going to completely make it or you're not. There is no choice. How, what kind of advice, hindsight's twenty twenty. how would you even, how do you even navigate new investors nowadays? How do you, well, how do you learn? that's the thing. Well, the good news is there are investors now. I mean, we were looking yeah. for money in 2013. There was no money. Nobody would put money in. Um, so the good news is there's, there's, there's money, but the key is if somebody is rushing you and uh, then it's bad, it's a bad, bad deal, bad money. And, you know, if you are desperate, um, any of those things, um, these, these, let's say snakes in the grass, like my investor, they feed on that. They've done this so many times that they know, and they love brand new entrepreneurs. They love. And because why? I was like, oh my God, they picked us. We're amazing. We're, you know, oh my God, you know, and then you find out, oh my God, they're pumping and dumping the stock. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, there's, and, and just for those that are listening out there, maybe not in the cannabis space, you know, I must get, two dozen emails a day. I'm sure you do too from people wanting mm-hmm. to lend money, yep. invest in your company, whatever. It's a very yep. crazy, you know, atmosphere uh, when it comes down to like who you choose and why you choose them. So, you know, when you had that happen to you and, and I read, you know, I've read a couple things online about it, but when, what, you know, one of the things I think I really f- came to admire about you, not knowing you, was when I read the part about failing and I read the part about knowing when to walk away because I think pride has a big thing to do with that. And you bet it does. Share that. You bet. How, Ego share and that pride. how yes. you got there with that one. Well, I um so I found out uh in April of 2015 kind of what was going on. I had no idea what was going on. And my whole world fell apart. I mean, you know, they, they, everybody tells you, you need to separate yourself from your company. Well, my company was everything, my kid, my spouse, my sister, it was all I did. Um, and that's some of the things I learned. I can't get those years back. Um, so you really have to have a, uh, work-life balance, but, um, let's go back real quick. Let's go back to the investors and how you find good investors. Sure. Um, you have to have referrals, like b- serious background checks, and you need to pay for those background checks. And then you need referrals. You need to talk to people, Google those people and find out about these investors. And if I were you, I would even ask for a sideways investor. Everybody has gone sideways with somebody, right? Everybody has. So I always ask, Hey, uh, give me three referrals, but give me one bad, one bad experience you had. Um, you know, and, and you have to go deep, but on the flip side, a lot of these investors are going to lose money. They have no idea what to look for. And they, again, ego and stuff, they're too uh, prideful to ask for help. I mean, there are there is a reason people hire consultants, but finding a good consultant is a whole different game. But you really need a consultant to navigate this industry. I, I truly believe that, especially if you need investment or, or are uh, investing in it. But anyway, pride and ego. So I find out, what's going on. My world turns upside down. And honestly, I was in denial 
because I was like, oh my God, this is all I've done. This is all I've done for five years. What else am I going to do? Oh my God. So I kept at it. And actually I should have probably walked away shortly after April. Um, but I didn't cause it was my baby and because of my employees. Um, I, I saw us as a big family. I always had a open door policy of any of my employees because you know, the people that are talking to the customers and helping the customers are, are your whole company. So you need to be in touch with them. And so I should have walked away sooner. Um, but I was forced, I was locked out of the lab by, uh, by one of, uh, the guys that was a CEO and I got him out of the CEO position and then he put himself back in. It's so convoluted. You wouldn't even believe it. Oh, I mean, no, I I've, think it, it, it needs to be a lifetime rodeos. movie. <laughs> yeah. It needs to be a lifetime movie really. But long story short, they locked me out of my lab and then it folded two months later. So, um, but, but the but stock what did you is f- still trading. It how- is still trading to this day. I've told the SEC. I've told FINRA. They have no operating We've had a lab. whistleblower. No, we don't. There's no building. The building was torn down wow. to, to, to put up a storage unit. Crazy. But no one reads anything. Nobody reads anything. And for you guys that are investing in stock market, you better freaking read, read, read more and find people that are analyzing all of those that stuff because people look at marijuana or cannabis and they're like, woo, and then they invest a bunch of money because, again, we're all printing money. Sure, and that old adage of a fool and his money are soon parted. So yeah. let me, then I, what I'm curious to hear, too, a little bit, like how once you decided to walk away and it was everything that you had done and, like, you had stated it, you felt like it was your baby, how does one – pick themselves up and (laughs) continue forward in the cannabis space like you have and might I add more potential failure facing you yep well so I picked up right after because I had some clients that we were consulting for with can labs and uh they came to me and said oh my god Jennifer we we still need your help will you help us so Um, you know, so I rallied one of my chemists and one of my microbiologists and, um, helped put an in-house lab into another, uh, actually a large, um, group now. Um, but consulting was difficult and it wasn't my favorite. Um, you know, I put myself, uh, in the position again, where I'm not the skill set. Um, you know, I have a degree in microbiology, but I am not the scientist, even though my dad likes to say that. Um, I was the business person. I was the one that ran that. But, you know, so in consulting, I had to rely on both a chemist and a microbiologist. You know, were they doing good work, et cetera? So I didn't like that part of it. Um, but also it just it just wasn't um it just wasn't great, but I had to carry on um, because I, I wanted to help those clients. And so I did that for about a year and I still do some overall consulting, um, you know, for the industry, because I, I really want to see people enter and I really want to see people be successful. And again, you know, it's very hard industry to navigate. So I don't charge very much per hour to help people do that. Um But so learn my lesson there. And then in the meantime, of course, I was speaking across the country and 
I was lobbying and I was at the Capitol and I was, I was on the governor's task force here in uh, Colorado uh, to help implement um, legalization in the beginning of 2013. So I wanted something representative of marijuana. I wanted people to know why I was at the Capitol, why I was in DC. And so I looked online and it, they, it, there was only pot culture stuff, which is great. I mean, it's a subculture, but it's just not me. And it's also not going to change the stigma when you're talking to a legislator. So I called my dad, who's a jeweler gemologist and said, Hey dad, can you make me a, a, a piece of jewelry, like a leaf or something for my lapel? Cause I always wear suits. And he said, of course, honey. And he flies in, takes me to my favorite steakhouse, and he presented me with a two and a half carat diamond pave indica leaf. Wow. And I've never been married. I don't wear diamonds. My my chin hit the floor and I was like, what am I going to do with that? And he goes, honey, you're going to wear it proudly. And I did. And I changed minds across the country because... At this time, whether you were for or against it, you wanted to talk about it. It was exciting. You wanted to know the truth. So people would always come talk to me. And I remember sitting next to a couple on the airplane from Oregon. And by the end of talking to them, because they voted against legalization, this was before it went legal. And after the conversation, they said, God, Jennifer, if we would have talked to you before, we would have voted for it. So it's about starting the conversation. And so we turned it into a hobby and then the hobby led to a business. So Jennifer M., my dad wanted to keep my name and it's a jewelry line to help start the conversation, to help end the stigma and to end prohibition. So all patients have access to the medicine. That's what the jewelry is about. That's amazing. And that's just, that was an accident. It was totally, yeah, it was totally by accident. And, um, but the entrepreneur in you saw the opportunity, right? And that's, that's, and my dad's an entrepreneur too. My dad's a heavy entrepreneur and so is my stepmom. So just, yeah, accidental. So So let's, let's talk about a little, like you have always California. We have these, um, equity, social equity programs. Okay. How are you know, you have been a huge proponent in the space on behalf of women. How, Yep. what advice can you give women? What advice can you give men, um, in the space? Uh And, you know, where do you see it going? Is it getting better? Tell us your thoughts. So, so first of all, we need to work together, right? There needs to be men and women and, you know, men get all bent out of shape. Like, well, why does, why do you have to be excited if it's a woman owned company? Why, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, why? Because we have to fight for everything we have. I mean, for God's sakes, we couldn't even vote. If we wouldn't have fought for voting, we would have still been not voting at this time. So, you know, we're, I feel like women are waiting for men to go, okay, you're going to have equal salaries. You're going to do this and that. And some companies have, but it is up to women to stick together and make it happen. And how we do that is we spend dollars with companies that are either women owned or women executives or women on the board. We have to be paying attention to that. Now I'm not just saying pick a company because it has a woman. Of course you want to pick a great company, but we need to focus more on that. Also hiring women. And, you know, I talked to a lot of people, men and women, and I'm like, well, why do you have more women? Well, they don't apply. Well, have you heard of the word recruit? 
Yes. You need to go out, recruit not only women, but minorities. I mean, people have to make a bigger effort. Now, the number in 2015 was 37% of women executive and leaders. It has dropped 10% in 17 and it holds to this day. So it's around 27%. However, now I'm not happy with that number. Of course, I want it to be over 50%. However, if you compare it to women in executive positions in all industries in this country, so nationwide, all industries, the number is 26%, which is absolutely unacceptable and pitiful. (laughs) So I tell all women, come to cannabis. Whatever you do, you can bring it to cannabis. If you want to change your career, you can do that in cannabis. It is still anyone's game. It's still in its infancy. And I really believe that, um, you know, women make better business owners in a lot of cases. And, um, you know, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank spoke at MJ Biz, not this year, but last year. And he had all of his portfolios audited. And guess what? His best performing companies were women owned. And one of the things he said is, Um, women set their goals 30% less than men, but make them 95% of the time. Whereas men set their goals higher, but they only make them 25% of the time, which means low morale, low sales, low revenue. So um, plus, you know, technically, and I'm stereotyping, but men usually have a bigger ego than women do. Um, And that has a lot to do with being successful. (laughs) Egos are definitely being checked, I think considerably, you know, very rarely do you have a, a white hot industry such as cannabis try. Well, I hate the word try, but try to still adhere to its roots. It reminds me, I've mentioned this before, a lot of surfing and cannabis are similar in the sense that there's a storied past. There's the, there's the OGs, if you will. Yes. And I think Mm -hmm. that, that, that there have been a fair amount of women OGs and I feel like the industry you know as sitting here as a white male it's hard for me to understand why why we can't like we we do our best um to recruit and to and to try to find people and you know we aren't growing very fast and so we can hire onesies and twosies but it's there's not like a indeed for women and or minorities either. So right. who, do, who do you recommend, you know, do you have anybody that you work with particularly that, or is there a process that you have gone through that you can share to some of these people that are listening? You know, the, as you said, there's really not uh, somewhere, but you know what? There's this amazing thing called LinkedIn And it actually has a picture, so you would know if it's a male or female. Um, I have have almost 16,000 people on my LinkedIn. Um, It has been a great tool for me, and I love reaching out to women. And, you know, that's that's a very amazing tool. Um, And then, you know, you have some other things starting, like women funds. So I'm sure you're... um, you know, Arcview. Yes. Right. So I always was giving them a lot of crap. I'm like, it's all white men every time I come. And, you know, there are some women, but what are we doing here? 
why don't we set aside something for women? And so finally, uh, the end of last year, uh, a few amazing women started a women-owned fund. And they are actively looking for women-owned companies. Um, And I think that's going to happen. That's going to start happening more and more. Um, But I also think the reason that, you know, the number of women dropped is because guess what? It's more accepted now. So guess what? There's more financial financial, um, industries looking. And guess who the financial industries are? White men you know, there's less stigma. So at the beginning, it was more focused on medical, which meant more mothers were getting involved. You know, women rule the, the um, healthcare space or the wellness space, which is $4.2 trillion. Well, guess what? A huge sector of cannabis is wellness. So it just makes sense that women would be a huge part of that. No, um, 100% agree. And I, it, you know, I do the one thing I do enjoy about this industry is that we do have voices such as yours that are constantly a proponent of a balance. You know, I think that's really what we yeah. all strive to have in the cannabis space is a little bit of balance. Um, so we've, we've, <laughs> yeah. we've got, to, which is kind of an ironic statement, but yeah, listen, we've, you have, you've been a, an amazing entrepreneur. Why don't you tell us a little bit about behind the scenes, Jen, not Jennifer, <laughs> that and how she medicates, like what and when you sure. medicate and how how you discovered that. Like what did it take? I mean, I know you talked about the the um, bubble bottle and back when you were younger, <laughs> but, you know, we all kind of have that moment where we started realizing how cannabis was impacting our life. So, oh, my God, so many things. But let me start out with my father. Um, it has been an incredible bonding experience, if you will. Um, my father had not smoked. He was a hippie and back in the day and liked his weed. And, uh, there's some really funny stories with that, but you know, he hadn't smoked it in whatever, 20, 30 years. And he has a friend named Barry and Barry came over and my dad goes, Jennifer, I smoked with Barry and I said, Oh my God. And this was like two years, three years me into it. And he said, Jennifer, he has terrible problems with his feet because he was a jeweler gemologist and went to jewelry shows that were like 14 days standing on your feet. So he goes, Jennifer, my feet didn't hurt. And I slept all night and I go, dad, medical marijuana. And he goes, Oh, because, you know, the mind is not on medical marijuana, even though, you know, it makes you feel good. But in the 70s, it was just like, you know, uh, not looked at as necessarily. I mean, people knew it was medicinal. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it wasn't my dad didn't look for pot as a medicine, if you will. No, even though it was great for him, you know. But so it has been an incredible bonding for us now. It has also been an incredible bonding for my stepmom. We, they are both in the industry. My stepmom got in totally on her own in Arizona, and now she's doing amazing stuff. Um, So just the industry, but dad and I, yes, we like to smoke together and we really bond. Um, Now, uh, do you smoke a joint? Do you? Smoke uh-huh. a bowl? Do you smoke- we smoke a bowl. We smoke a joint. Sometimes he likes to do dabs. 
Oh, wow. I do dabs rarely because it really uh, boosts your tolerance up. I mean, um, but I'm a flower girl through and through. Um, if I could have my preference, it would be a bong. Like I'm just, but I need, but I want to, I want to trade my bong in for a volcano. So oh, I'm hoping somebody, what do you think somebody about those, can help me out. Those puffcos. <laughs> have you seen those? I have not seen a they're puff, like a little mini, they're like a dab rig, I think. And then, but they're like a volcano at the same time and they're soup, they're portable and easy to use. But I agree. I, for me, I'm a vape mainly. And then I flower uh, at the end of the day, but, um, yeah. dabbing is next level. If I have a project, <laughs> I'll dab yeah. because then, you know, it's kind of works like coffee for me where I'm like jazzed up for whatever reason. See, oh my God. Not me. All right. As a flower. So question sun grown indoor. Um, you know, it just kind of depends. I am not, I will tell you right now, I am not a connoisseur. Like if you give me some pot, I, I will not know if it's a chem dog or OG or any of that. I have no idea. I was a science person. I know the cannabinoids and I know all of that kind of stuff, but, um, you know, there are certain strains that I like, but again, how do we even know those are the strains? Sure. We don't unless you have a DNA test. So, sure. so, you know, I can tell you some of the strains I like, but, um, but yeah, a volcano for home, because I really do, you know, of course, um, smoking bongs is not optimal for my lungs. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, even though it doesn't bother me and I hike a lot, but I just think I do not like personal vapes. I hate them. Um, everybody that sells one says, oh my God, you know, smoke this. It's great. And it, and it does nothing for me, honestly. Um, some have got me high for a, a few minutes and, and that's it. So I definitely, definitely prefer to smoke flour. Um, if I had my druthers and then dabs, they, they're, they're a different thing, but I don't think that they're more like, I don't know. It's hard to explain for me, but it is definitely a different high. And then of course, edibles, um, sometimes, but, um, and, and excuse me if you know this already, but a lot of people don't know this, but when you smoke cannabis, it produces Delta nine. And when you eat cannabis, it's 11 hydroxy. It's a completely different drug, a completely different molecule. And actually in the beginning of regulation, a lot of people wanted the drug separated out here because people don't realize that. And that's why your effects from eating it are completely different uh, than smoking it. And then you have people that can eat and eat and eat and never feel anything. It's, it's crazy. Well, do you think we're going to be learning more in the future? Like eventually there'll be a DNA makeup that you'll be able to say Durban poison works best for you. And then that's what you stick to down the road. That's what triggers your terp reactions, your, you know, endocannabinoid system. The whole component just gets kicked off with Durban. Like I've, people have given me fire and it ends up not doing anything to me. And then I'll smoke something that has almost no nose and it's like, whoa. So it's really independently driven. I think back in the day we just had, we just stayed away from the ones that made us contemplate life too much and then went more with the ones that made us feel good was kind of how we did it. Oh yeah. I mean, we've been breeding for decades for high THC and just cause you have high THC doesn't mean you're going to get higher. When's like, that going to change? People don't understand that. It's the whole makeup of all the terpenes working with the cannabinoids. 
in your body? What did you eat? What's your mind state? I mean, you and I could smoke the exact same joint and have two completely different experiences. It's just the way it is. And so it's going to be very hard. We do need to look at it on a micro level, like you said, whereas right now, you know, they're looking at drugs for certain proteins on certain cancers and they're looking at your DNA. That'll, that you're absolutely right. They will be looking at that. Now, something absolutely fascinating about three years ago at the cannabis science conference that Josh Crosney does in Portland. He actually had a second one in Maryland this year, but um, Dr. Deddy, I think his name's Deddy. Maybe that's his first name, but he's Israeli and he's a leading scientist and he did a presentation on extraction methods and, and disease. So he took three diseases. I can't remember what they were ailments. Okay. One was colon, one was something else. And then he had same exact strains, same exact plants, all homogenized, and then did ethanol extraction, did butane extraction and did CO2 extraction. And oh my God, the CO2 extracted plant did better for one of the diseases. The ethanol extraction did better for another disease and the butane extraction did nothing. That's exactly. And when are we going to see that on a consumer level? When are we going to see, where do you see things? I mean, I always laugh. It's, it's like when people come into the a club and they go, I just want to buy whatever tests the highest THC. And <laughs> yeah, I'm like, or the Why? cheapest. I'm like, well, do you walk in buying moonshine when you go to a liquor mm-hmm. store? I mean, there is some. Bacardi 151. Come you know, on. Let's just blow our <laughs> eyebrows off while we're at it. So I was like, you know, I, I really, how do we get people, how do we get the industry? I mean, now things are going to experience, right? You have these brands that are coming out with experience blends where they're taking multiple strains and blending them to get the calm blah, effect, blah, the blah, whatever blah. effect, right? And so yeah. what what do you see being effective for the consumer being someone that's been on the back end of testing and finding one-to-one CBDs, which I think that's the most exciting thing that we're, we've got going. It's nice to have a bunch of really nice quality cannabis out there, but the whole CBD... THC driven CBD is really the magic that we're starting to uncover. But when do, when do, when do we change the T it's a Jack Herrera or it's a, a whatever strain and it's whatever category, you know, indica dominant and tests out at, you know, 29 THC. When do we get past that? When do we get to the <laughs> next step? Well, listen, I tried to educate people years ago on the cannabinoid profile, not, not, indica sativa that really doesn't tell you anything i mean and this education starts at the bud tender and i hate that word but that starts at the bud tender and i'm telling you nine out of ten bud tenders have no idea what they're talking about they sell what they're told to sell or what they have a lot of and um i've you know i went into a dispensary the other day and i said so what do you recommend well, so-and-so has the highest THC. And I said, I don't want the highest THC. <laughs> I asked what you liked. And they're like, oh, you know. And and unfortunately, you know, I tried very hard um, to educate people that it's the cannabinoid profile. Now, what you brought up with THC cannabis-derived uh, is interesting because, you know, if I had cancer, do you know what kind of cannabis I would have? I would have 
whole plant, meaning right. chlorophyll, meaning every single part of that plant would go in my body. It, it would be in a tincture. I don't care if it tasted like crap. That's what I would have if I had cancer. Now, there are hopefully studies going on right now to see because, of course, a lot of the thought is that you need a little bit of THC to really uh, to really make you know, CBD effective and the entourage effect. But now you're looking at CBD isolate. Does isolate even work? I don't know. Is it a suggestion, a mind body where it's like, oh, take this tincture and it's going to make you happy. And then, oh, you're happy or whatever, you know, it tells you. A, a lot of that is just your, you know, you telling yourself. What is that called? I'm, not, I'm Placebo. having a- Placebo effect. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that happening. I feel. Oh, it's a ton. You know, we need to know what's bioavailable. Does it even get in your body? One and two, what's your bioactivity? Is it working? How much gets flushed out? You know, like. How does one find that out, though? I mean, how do you know? Your receptors are only so big. True. So once your receptors are full, the rest of it flushes out like a vitamin as far as as sure. far as I know right now. Of course, that could change tomorrow. But, you know, so how do we, what did you say? How do we, why don't we know that? Or when how do we, we know, know that? How no do we idea. know what's bioactive in our body? Like how do Clinical we? Clinical trials. Right. Blood drawn. I mean, all of these things that I wish some of these uh, bigger companies were spending money on. And they are. Like There are some brands think, that do. Yeah, I think Canopy, I think a lot of Canadian companies are really are really spending the money uh, to do so. Now, how come I want I want studies on vape pens? I can tell you right now, I saw my first electronic cigarette in 2006. That's not very long that it has been out. I know for a fact when we had our first when I had my first vaporizer, it was burning the wick. It was burning the plastic. It had peg in it. It had you know, a whole bunch of stuff. Like right now, how do you know it's not doing that? They're all from China. They're all from China. So until, and I keep encouraging companies to have them made here. Yes, it's expensive, but you have a lot more quality control. You can have a scientist look at it, but where are the vaporizer studies? Right. I don't know. I think there's a lot of I think they're so concerned, you know, when it comes to regulatory and you've worked on regulatory stuff, so you're the expert here. But my two cents is they're more focused on taxes and testing, whatever that may be, kind of in a not just 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 test it, just test it for this and just test it for that. But then there's no downline. And I think you're right. I think we are going to start, you know, everybody vapes that I, I mean, it's if you're not vaping. Oh, yeah. If you're not oh. vaping cannabis, you're vaping CBD or you're vaping tobacco. And like yeah. literally everybody, I, you know, you don't go down the street without counting heads on those. It's very interesting, oh, yeah. interesting perspective of, you know, really what you're offering here. Because as we, as people from outside the industry ask people like us, like, what do you recommend? It would be really nice to be able to guide them appropriately. But would you say we're still just so early that we don't know? Uh, well, I feel that way. You know, I, I have a hand new stone. Have you seen those? Yes, I have. 
Sabo. Okay, that's shout out to Sabo. Abs- Sabo, love Sabo. Yes, I absolutely love it. I mean, as far as the device goes, I love it. And that's but a C cell. That's a cartridge. C cell. Car- I bought a car. Right. Yeah, I don't. It's a pod thing, kind of yep. like packs. Yeah. But I, you know, bought a pod and it, blah. You know, the device is great. I have. You don't even know how many vape pens I have. And I end up giving them away because most people do like them. And yes, they're very convenient. But again, I, I just, I do not like them and I do not get high from them. And, you know, it's like when I tell people I don't like to go to Vail because I'm on a snowboard and I don't like to do the catwalk. And every single person's like, oh, I know Vail so much. You won't have to go on the catwalk. And Every time I have to go on a catwalk, it's just like that with vape. Oh, I know. We sell one that you'll love. We sell this, you know, all of this. And it's just not, not my thing. Um, but studies, we need more studies. And again, butane, I'm not saying butane is bad or good. I know it's bad if it's left in. And, and you can imagine when I was first testing what kind of test results we had. It was downright scary. Um, But do we know it's bad? I don't know. I mean, it's been used for other things, um, but I don't know. Does it change the molecular structure inside? I I don't know. And nobody really knows. And, you know, some scientists say uh, I wouldn't do it. Others are like, it's fine. So again, until we have, you know, I'm big proponent of science, until we have those answers, we are in scary ground. What I do know is we've been smoking cannabis since 2900 BC. (laughs) So I'm pretty happy with that. And now that we test for, you know, pesticides, but I mean, listen, what did we smoke when I in the eighties, we smoked Mexican ditch weed. How much pesticides were on that? Probably quite a bit. I mean, come on. They were loaded with pesticides. Yeah. So, you know, cannabis. So are you saying it's okay to smoke you. pesticides? Is that- <laughs> no, I am not. And maybe that's why I'm crazy now. I will put well, it to definitely. Those well, I but- wouldn't say you're crazy. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, people, first of all, when you get a chance, I'd like you to check out our website. It's G E N I F E R M.com. That's her um, jewelry website. You can learn a little bit about her story there. But, you know, you are the furthest thing from crazy. I think. What you, you know, definitely what you are is a disruptor in the space uh, and you're willing to have a position, which is, it was very, it's very refreshing because it's hard to like, I vape, but I'm listening to you and I'm going, man, you're right. Like I'm kind of second guessing everything, but my vape does kind of work for me. But, you know, we used to, when we first started seeing vape, like I was a big fan of the RSO, like just give me that and give me full body. And, you know, it's not pretty. It's, it looks like black tar heroin because it's so dark but it has so much of a better effect on your body you don't it's like the same i feel like we're gonna what i want us to avoid is doing the same thing we did to to like sugar cane to get sugar let's not do to cannabis because we've learned that when we the reason that sugar is in fiber is because you don't want to consume a lot of it or it makes you crazy maybe cannabis in its most you know concentrated form like sometimes dabs is not always best for everybody and so i think we have to find a balance of how can we use the plant at its maximum capacity not what man thinks its maximum capacity is would you say that that is a good statement absolutely 
I think that the the raw plan itself has the most amazing properties, um, but we're, you know, messing around with it for either, you know, for uh, money, you know, money, um, you cut corners and stuff, or, um, well, usually it comes down to money, or, you know, you, you don't have a lot of... Um, uh, materials. So you're trying to make the most of it. Um, you know, that's why I said, I can't stand online when people are like, where can I get the cheapest hash oil? It's like, really? Well, you get what you pay for. If you're going to get cheap hash oil, guess what? Well, it's, we're breeding <laughs> you know, ourselves it, with Amazon on that, cheap. but that's a whole nother, yeah. whole nother discussion. I believe that you pay, I'm willing to pay like for a good product for a good price. Like I'm, I'll, yeah. I'll overpay sometimes if it's phenomenal, you know, I don't buy, yeah. I don't, I try not to buy on price because you're absolutely right. If you go in asking for the cheapest, you're going to get the cheapest experience possible. Um, why don't you do me a favor? Tell people, I want, I want you to give yourself a little plug. Um, I, you've done, you've been an amazing guest and I want people to be able to go to your website and find it. And I also want them to find you on social media. And I also want them to visit you if you're going to be at any shows. So can you, can you give us all that information? Yeah. So just so you know, and I thought we would get into this, but I currently represent a company called Drug Plastics. Go for um, it. We, ha- we have more time. Go ahead. Okay, great. They recruited me about a year ago to uh, help them get into the cannabis space um, in a business development capacity. Um, Drug Plastics is a uh, privately held second generation pharmaceutical nutraceutical packaging company that is FDA approved. Um, you probably have a bottle in your house. They do generic Centrum bottle, Advil, um, very reputable. And again, FDA approved. So, um, I'm, I'm helping them and a funny story. Um, especially since you said sugar cane, we make a sugar cane bottle out of sugar cane. And the other day, a buddy of mine came over to smoke and he had bought some some cannabis at Terrapin Station, which is extremely good cannabis here. If you haven't had it, you need to. His name's Chris Woods, by all means, an amazing pioneer. Um, but he he whips it out, and I go, oh, my God, that's our bottle from Drug Plastics. Huh. So Terrapin Station has four colors of a bottle they sell eights in, and they have a custom closure custom stamp but anyway and they're yeah, using, I that they're was using the sugarcane bottles i mean that's what we have to get yeah. to there's so oh, much waste me. in the cannabis yeah. space i mean it's ridiculous so much because of regulation though i mean no, for sure. not only do you have to have a container then you have to have all the pieces wrapped inside the container i mean it's it's ludicrous it's really sad and it's giving us a bad name even though it's every industry well we just have to be smarter i think people there are there are businesses that are starting to do sustainable packaging. And I think globally we need to be paying attention to that. Everybody's guilty of it. Uh, and I think especially in cannabis, if the problem is this is that again, it comes down to money and it comes down to taxation. And what happens is, is a quarter makes a difference, unfortunately in this space. Oh, it, yes, it does. You know, 100%. so a quarter makes a difference and all of a sudden the person's like, well, I'll just do that in plastic polystyrene or whatever, instead of doing it at a sugar cane. But we have to have, some conscious around what we're trying to accomplish here. Yes. We want to all make money. 
Um, but we got to get away from that cheapest. We got to not even entertain the person that's looking for the cheapest hash oil. That person just needs to be told, sorry, there is no such thing. Here's what we do have. And, you know, we got to stop driving the, the plan as a commodity price wise and look at it from its, I don't know, not that's, just medicinal, yeah. but it's, it's, it's what it can actually that's give a- us, you know? That's not going to happen, though. Unfortunately, don't it's be all so be a negative. You no, but it is. It will be. Listen, it will be a commodity, and that's okay because that yes. will give room for the boutique, the boutique brands like Willie's and some other, you know, top of the line brands. Well, and you're now seeing some branded cannabis. And listen, when I go into a dispensary, right? Of course, they're going to tell you they have top shelf. Of sure. course, they're going to tell yeah. you that. But do you know I've smoked top shelf from some of these places and it sucks. Well, the rate when the, you when you get Willie's Reserve, you know that that is amazing pot. Period. I've never had any bad Willie's Reserve pot. Now, I, maybe some of your listeners are going to say no, but um, you know, I think that it it will be a commodity, and that's just you know it's just what it is. But then you're going to have cra- it's just like beer. Yes. You're going to have craft cannabis, so it's going to be great. The people that really love to grow cannabis are going to have their opportunity to shine with unique genetics and stop be, trying to be like your neighbor and have the exact same strains everybody has. Well, I think people, you know? I think what I'd like to see, my ask would be for the consumer because ultimately the consumer impacts the industry. If the consumer stops accepting, you know, toxic packaging and the consumer stops supporting theories on top shelf and the consumer gets educated, which is, we've got a long road to go, but I think that's where we'll, because you go to any business and say, you got to be sustainable and you, unless they're forced to do it, they're not going to find a way to it. Okay. So I see what you're saying. And that's what I said with lab testing. I said, the consumer has to drive this. Surely they want to know what's in their cannabis. Well, guess what? Most people thought it was tested. Well, how they long, never questioned it. How long did they we eat Roundup? I mean, we've, <laughs> you know, as a human, we, we're still eating Roundup. Everybody up, thinks eh? I've read studies, and I'm probably going to get blasted for this, but that gluten intolerance is sometimes related to glyophosphate because that's Could the be. same uh, experience you get with. You're probably eating glyophosphate inebriated bread, which is causing you to have those feelings. So we just got to, we should ask what's in everything we consume. Yes, we and look, should. We have the right to know. We need to stop being worried about certain bugs and be more worried about yeah. chemicals. Because right. that's really right. the difference. Because some of those bugs are good. Yes. Some of the fungus is good. Absolutely. All right. I know, but. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say it. You're all, it's all, you know, we're going in the same direction and. People just need to be more aware. And you should have some ethos if you're a brand. Shame on you if you're misleading people for money. (laughs) Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, there. Well, you know, snake oil THC was was huge here, right, in the beginning. And now it's snake oil CBD. I can't stand it. It's like nails down a chalkboard. Everybody's talking about it like it's a miracle and they have no idea what, what it is, what, it, what, what, you know, nothing about it. They have no idea that there's over 145 cannabinoids in this plant that we're just scratching the surface. Um, they just, you don't know, but yes, it, it does start at the consumer. It's just really hard 
uh, you know, because you're always going to have people that shop by price. You're always, you're never going to be able to convince them that you get what you're paid for. Now, I'm not saying don't shop around. Of course, you get a handyman, you want a couple of quotes. But at the end of the day, if you see something super cheap, there's a reason. Period. You get what you pay for. Yeah, you do. But can I shamelessly um, plug some of my stuff, like you said? Go. <laughs> Go, girl. Do it. So, yeah. So you can visit Drug Plastics at drugplastics.com. They, we have a great um, user-friendly website there. And we also do custom molds. So if people are interested in some custom molding, uh, we would love to work with them. Uh, Jennifer M is G-E-N-I-F-E-R-M.com. Um, we have silver, gold, diamonds. Uh, we also do custom jewelry as well. Um, we can we do wholesale, uh, you know, dispensaries, head shops. We're actually in a jewelry store in um, upstate New York, they actually hung, they, they only sell our molecules. Our molecules are our biggest seller. So we have CBD and THC now, all kinds of stones, gold, silver. And this jewelry store said, we want to sell your molecules. And they hung up a sign as big as their sign and they sell out all the time. It's, it's pretty awesome. So, and then we have Instagram, Jennifer M jewelry, we also have MoleculeJewelry.com. We're going to build out our Molecule line. And then, of course, I'm on LinkedIn, Jennifer Murray. I'm on Facebook um, personally. And, uh, yeah, reach out and say hi. And, again, What shows are you going to be going to? Are you going to any shows here pretty soon? Um, I just was at MJ Biz. Um, I think the next show I'm going to is probably MJ Biz International. Um, I'll definitely That's be in at Toronto, MJ Biz Vegas. Right? That's in Toronto. Right. Yeah. In August mm-hmm. or when is that? It's in September. September. Now, I think. Okay. So yeah. if you're in and Toronto, then, right, check them out. Like, yeah. Go see, yeah. Go see Jennifer. And then um, I don't know if you personally have seen this, but I was lucky enough to be on Two Chains, most expensivest show. No, I didn't see that. <laughs> Why didn't you bring that you know, up earlier? I don't know. We'll have you to know do who another. Two Chains is? Yes. Like, Two Chains, the yeah. rapper? Yeah. Yes, of course. So he, he has a show on Vice called The Most Expensive Us. You can YouTube. Oh, two yes. Chains. Okay. Yes, yes. I've, I've seen the yep. show. You can. I wonder if I've, I probably have watched your episode. It oh, is I hol- do. I'm looking at it on your website right now. I remember the. It's hilarious. That's funny stuff. But so- even more funny or even funnier is go to YouTube and find it and all the comments on there. <laughs> Were they good or bad? Oh, oh, about 50-50. I love it. You know what we call those? <laughs> but, we, we call them keyboard oh. warriors, you know? That's Oh, you bet. Those but people. it's great. I mean, I don't I don't take anything personally anymore. I mean, I grew out of that and you know, I I think it's hilarious and they only can look out of their binoculars. So, so so it's good. Well, I've really appreciated talking to you and I'm looking forward to our next conversation and uh I just you know, you're, you've been, this hour has been amazing. Like I've learned so much about you and I hope everybody else enjoys it as much as I did. You're so sweet. I really appreciate you having, having me on and, uh, you know, educating people. It's really great. And, and thanks again. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this edition of Cannabis Karaoke, another kick-ass podcast about all things cannabis. 
You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and our website, CannabisKaraoke.tv. And if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, please hit the Book Your Interview button on the right. Cannabis Karaoke, grab the mic and tell your story. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.